This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Joe Peterson, and this is Eric O'Branson. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Hey, uh, so yeah, this is a really, really exciting series that we're going to be doing today. That uh, you and I have been talking about doing for a little bit while now. Um, so we're going to be reviewing this week uh, and next week two Exorcist films. Except we're actually going with kind of an interesting story about these two particular films. So the fo- the films yeah, we're going to be looking at have you seen these two before we decided to do this i had seen um i believe the one we're going to focus on tonight ronnie harlan's film um exorcist at the beginning i Mm -hmm. saw in theaters when it came out initially i have not seen um paul schrader's film dominion which is this and just a kind of take a step back real quick and sure sure um i think you were originally the one to pitch this so i should let you do this but i I feel like this is a really unique opportunity to be able to talk about these two films, and there's oh, a very good reason why, and maybe I'll let you, uh, since you initially made the pitch to me sure. on why we should focus on these two films rather than some of the, um, if, 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 to be totally yeah. honest, some of the better films that preceded them, but why right. this is such an interesting situation. So, so yeah, so just to, to kind of bring everybody up to speed, of course, almost everybody, is, if you're into you know genre films, scary movies, or just film in general, you're familiar with the 1973 film The Exorcist, which is based on the William Peter Blatty book. Um, uh, so, directed by William Friedkin. Um, that movie is, is you know, a, a cultural icon. And of course, it came, uh, a couple years later, they came out with The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and then years after that, uh, they came out with Exorcist 3. And those are, are interesting films. I don't know if it's really a coherent franchise. I, I guess it is, but really, those two sequels don't even come close to the original, but they're interesting films on their own. And then in, in 2004, uh, this the first of these two films, Exorcist the Beginning, the Rennie Harlan film, was released in theaters. Uh, and this was another example of Warner Brothers wanted to cash in on this somewhat lucrative franchise. So... Um, this particular film, though, has a, an interesting history because originally, when there was talk of doing a, a prequel to The Exorcist, uh, director Paul Schrader was actually on board to direct it. And he had a cast. It starred uh, Stellan Starsgard as a young Father Marin. Of course, if, you, if you've read the book The Exorcist or seen the first film, uh, you might remember that there's a brief reference where they talk about Father Marin or the old priest um, played by Max von Sydow, had originally done an earlier exorcism years before in Africa. Uh, and that's really where this franchise comes from, or these two films come from, is they wanted to tell the story of a younger Marin and the first time he had dealt with Pazuzu or dealt with this demonic force. Mother, what's wrong with me? 
What an excellent day for an exorcism. anything like it it's a church churches were built to exalt heaven but this the weapons are pointing downward this is the spot where lucifer fell there is something here something evil who would do something like this Correct me if I'm wrong, but they actually did deal with this in one of the earlier sequels, in Exorcist 2, I believe, yes. has some Father Marin flashbacks, which are totally unrelated. To right, to right. There was, they decided there to was kind some, of go with their own. Yeah, there was some footage shots, and it, it, it's totally different than what you're seeing here, and it's just not it, It's not even close. So yeah, it, it, they're kind of retconning this. Uh, yes. if, if you consider these canon, and to be honest, after the fiasco that, that goes with it, I don't know if either one really belongs in that canon, but um, there they are nonetheless. So, And, and also just an um, in- interesting thing that I was reading about this, uh, this whole uh, fiasco at Warner Brothers but is that initially this was actually in the hands of another director. Paul Schrader actually came on, which was already late in the game. So they already had a script. They already had... Um, I don't think they had a cast. I think he was involved in the casting process, but uh, came into the film a little late, so it was already already being put together, already moving forward with a different director. And um, he came on because he got a copy of the screenplay, and um, I believe it was a health issue with the original director, and I wish I would have written down who that was. It's somebody whose name you would recognize, but um, it's not coming hmm. not coming. Yeah, to I'm, me I'm, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with that part. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, so he came on, he, he got a copy of the screenplay, they, I don't know if they were fishing to try and find someone to replace the original director or not, but he got a copy of the screenplay, was really impressed with it, um, liked uh, kind of the themes of it, and decided that he would be interested in doing the film, mm-hmm. came on, and um, yeah, so I'll let you continue with the... the well, no, so, and, and I actually, and I should, be, I should be fair, because you know, there's, there's a lot of, Warner Brothers is under, you know, they, they've been kind of criticized a lot lately because and here we are doing it again because of the dc films um every every episode man um (laughs) get it in there (laughs) but actually this film was made by morgan creek productions yes so it was actually morgan creek after they saw what paul schrader was was doing and they saw a rough cut um the morgan creek producers hated it and they thought this wasn't going to be successful at all so what they actually did was 
fired Paul Schrader and yeah. hired Rennie Harlan, and they pretty much did a complete rewrite. And the interesting thing, though, is there's um, at least one cast member is in both versions. They brought Stellan Skarsgård back. I think he was under contract to play Marin, so they... I, I'm, assume, I'm assuming that. Um, um, I believe there were other members of the cast that mm-hmm. returned as well. Um, out of the star people in starring roles, I believe Stellan Skarsgård was the he's only the, one. Yeah, he's the only one. Did, but. So, Rennie Harlan, uh, of course, you know, known for Cliffhanger, and was it Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4? Part uh, 4, yeah, yeah, which just uh, this Actually, last weekend I had the pleasure of seeing on the big screen at the um, Massacre 24-hour film festival here in Chicago oh. at the Davis Theater which was very, uh, very cool opportunity. Uh, also got a chance to uh, chat with and get a signed picture of the star of that film, um, Tuesday Night, who oh, cool. took over for Patricia Arquette playing the title character, Kristen, in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, oh, very so, cool. Yeah. So there's like a connection here tonight. Well, yeah, so I thought uh, it was interesting. <laughs> that to, and Especially yeah. because, I, you know, normally I'd come on here after... And not to totally spoil the show for you, but after, you know, having to sit through The Exorcist the beginning another time, maybe come on here with the want to, you know, tear any Harlan a new one over this movie. Um, it softens me a little bit because I did enjoy seeing uh, Nightmare 4 again. And so he is uh, yeah, capable I, of making something that I find enjoyable. At, Although it's not it's not among my favorite couple Nightmare films, it's still... It's not a bad one. Yeah. You know, it's a weaker one, but it's not one of the worst. And but I yeah, so I I don't want to get on a, a Rennie Harlan bashing thing necessarily, but right. Um, and I never a, like to make things personal. I'm not gonna right. You know, yeah. I mean, honestly, I him as a you know, <laughs> cliffhanger <laughs> was a fun film when I was a kid, and and uh, you know, Nightmare Four is 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 pretty good. So I think this is yet another example, though, of studio meddling. You know, um, yeah, they so sure. but to to continue this, this really cool so story Morgan is Creek, that they, I guess one of the, their main yeah. criticism yeah. that I, I read quoted was that the film was two one number one complaint too cerebral for mm-hmm. the um what they consider to be the common moviegoer Paul Schrader to the common moviegoer <laughs> Paul Schrader um, cerebral really you, yeah, you didn't okay, know that before you hired him <laughs> <laughs> right and uh, it did not feature enough horror or horror horrific imagery which they thought that horror fans would expect from a movie like an exorcist film right um that and we'll we'll next week we'll, we'll really dive in and to uh, paul schrader's film dominion mm-hmm. right um but i i do think that criticism because, is one that yeah is kind of valid but i'll talk about i will talk yeah. a more about why but but i think you know that so what they ended up doing is they they fired you know, uh, Schrader, they brought on Rennie Harlan and they made this entirely new film and they released it and it tanked. It did not do well in theaters. So what they then did to try to save as much money as they could on this project or, or regain as many of their costs is they called Paul Schrader back and said, okay, you still have a rough cut of your film and probably some other scenes. We'll give you a small amount of money because we don't want to spend much more on this to finish your project. And then it had a, a very uh, small theatrical release and then went to direct to, to dvd uh, and that was the first time i saw it was in in on dvd because it wasn't playing in a theater anywhere near where i was living yeah um, i wasn't aware until reading about it that it even did play theatrically yeah. i thought it was kind of a well we have this mostly completed film let's go ahead and uh dump a little money into it and try to try to recoup the millions that we didn't make back on reshooting a film and then it flopping theatrically and, so. I, and, I, and I wanted to point out exactly how much money they actually gave him 
Um, I read this once. They actually said they were only going to give Paul Schrader $35,000 to finish his film. Which, if you think about the budget of a movie, that is a drop in a bucket. So... I think the score that they ended up doing for the Paul Schrader version was was done, I think, for free. <laughs> yep, um, it was donated by a heavy metal band, American heavy metal band. Um, uh, Dog Fashion Disco. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having that, because, yeah. again, I didn't write that down. But. Yeah, so, it's, so we're going to talk tonight more about the Rennie Harlan film, the one that you may be familiar with, because it had a wide theatrical release, and it was a huge marketing campaign for it. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, this was... This was marketed just as well as like any major theatrical horror film of the era um i remember there being like quite a bit of buzz around this exorcist prequel coming out of course those of us that um at the time didn't realize that this movie had been made and then remade by a different director which is always a you know kind of sign that maybe all things aren't aren't gonna be perfect with this movie right um initially i think they did rainy harlan was supposed to come in and do reshoots and ended up the stuff that he reshot was so different in tone and had a kind of his own style. They decided to give him the money to make an entirely new movie. I'm not sure who made that decision, but Hey, well, and, and I want to, you know, I, I vaguely remember when this was coming out, I was following as much as I could remember. This was in 20, God, no, 2002, 2003, when the first buzz was going around that they're doing an exorcist prequel, you know, and it, I, read about this kind of stuff because i don't read about sports online so this is what I, what i read up wrong right are uh, movies that are coming out but and i remember hearing originally that uh paul schrader was attached to it and that he was directing it and then they had canned him and but this was before that kind of stuff was really widely announced all the time like nowadays if, if, a, if a film is in mid-production and they change directors it makes news Right. You know, it, yep. it might even Especially be on something that's high profile, like a new exorcist movie. Exactly. So with this is... in perspective in 2004, yeah. I don't think there had been an exorcist movie in over a decade. I think the exorcist three with George C. Scott. Is, yeah. What, yeah. That one was 90s? directed by Friedkin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so th- this is a very unique situation where you have essentially a very similar story that is a prequel to a well-known franchise or at least a well-known film and it's done with two entirely different visions from two different directors and actually two very different performances from Stellan Skarsgård the lead role so that we thought this would be a cool series to talk about instead of just let's do the exorcist films these two in particular are really it's just such a bizarre situation and and to look at these two end products and I don't know. To me, I don't know about you, but just to kind of look at this as project as an overall, it really kind of opened my eyes to the various roles that are taken in filmmaking. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, how you know you're making a film when you write it, when you direct it, when you edit it, when you score it, and you know how all yeah. of that it makes such a big difference. And now here we well, have yeah, and changing any one know, of those pieces just drastically changes the film. I mean, you you definitely see the difference between directors' visions when comparing this these two films yeah i mean um, I, like the, what exactly now obviously rennie harlan is pushed a certain direction because morgan creek is unhappy with paul schrader's film because right. it's not horrific enough or it doesn't have enough quote-unquote horror moments in it so obviously he's going to up the ante on that stuff i mean that's kind of what he's there to do right. um changing other things about the script and about the movie i don't know how much he has to do it the rewrites are were done by another screenwriter uh story credit is still given to the same two writers yeah as this paul schrader's 
screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, this, the screenplay for the Paul Schrader film. He did not write the screenplay. Yeah. But the and, and you um, can see those elements. You can definitely still see the elements in both films. Yeah, I mean, the if you were to put down basic plot points like boom, 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 it's essentially the same story. There is a the way that things unfold and the like the themes and what the movie is really about however i think are totally different oh yeah like, plot wise you can say oh the movie if, if if to you what a movie's about is its plot alone then yeah sure it's the same movie or it's, it's the same thing it tells the same story kind of um it's set in the same place shot on some of the same sets starring some of the same people but mm-hmm. the movies are right. very very different in what they're actually about like the themes and um paul yeah. schrader's movie is well, I'd like, actually, we're going to talk about Ronnie Harlan's movie, so let's talk a bit more sure, about sure. about that one. So, Ronnie so, Harlan's movie is about a priest, Father Marin, or Mister Marin, as he starts the film, a priest who has lost his faith and is apparently playing Indiana Jones somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, it opens with him in actually, it uh, Harlan's film actually opens with a pre credit sequence uh, mm-hmm. that takes place during the crusades in africa and has um it, it, a lot of you know a lot of the blood and guts and stuff they were going for demonic imagery that um really doesn't tell us much about the rest of the movie but anyway right and so then <laughs> the like... film the film really starts to 1949 in, in cairo egypt and here's here's Lancaster Marin. You know now you're right. He's he's lost his faith, and now he is um, he's kind of taken a sabbatical from the church, and now he's on this archaeological um, archaeological dig uh, in, in in Egypt. And what I did think was interesting, and and this is actually something that I talked about in both films, is the backstory about what made him lose his faith initially. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a very troubling scene. Well about nazis in world war ii as if there's non-troubling scenes in films about nazis jesus <laughs> right. christ so, but it's it's a, a a sadistic nazi officer that that forces him to make this horrible horrible choice um in the in the city that he's from so uh in the netherlands actually so Bernie harlan decides in his film to let this play out throughout flashbacks throughout the film did flashbacks throughout the film mm-hmm. um and you kind of it, it reveals more and more of it to you as the film goes on, right? Um, you know there's been an altercation with Nazis, and you kind of get what Father Marin was forced to do. It shows you more as it goes on. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like he uses it as a way to let the viewer know whenever Father Marin starts questioning his faith, you're going to see a Nazi flashback. Bernie yeah. Harlan's a very on-the-surface filmmaker, and that's not necessarily a criticism of him in general, but he's going to... There's not a whole lot of subtlety to it. So when when he wants right. the uh, viewer to understand that, you know, Marin is trying to, re- you know, questioning his faith or, you know, the what's going on in Africa with uh, the church and the demons and the stuff that's going to come is starting to get to him or starting to, you know, turn his mind a little bit. We'll, we'll get a Nazi flashback and remind, it will remind the viewer like, nope, this happened. So he's, you know, he's, he's not father Marin. He's not a priest. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, I would agree. That's something that Rennie Harlan is. It's almost as if because Paul Schrader's initial version of this was so cerebral, they were like, nope, we don't want that. Now let's get a director who's going to essentially give us yeah. a film of post-it notes that and tell don't us... tell us the film, you know, you know, the story in order. We need to see this unfold gradually, which is, I think, actually kind of hurt the effectiveness of it. It's done, yeah, like almost everything, is done much better in Schrader's film. Um, but um, Rennie Harlan, I think, especially in this movie, but you could make this criticism of a lot of his films. I feel like he tells stories like a five-year-old tells stories. Like yeah. he, <laughs> um, he'll the details that in the in between the conversations are kind of muddled and not very important. He doesn't pay a whole lot of attention, and then he's like, boom, bang, and all this stuff blows up, and then this guy did this, and this guy did that, and then all they're, they're talking, and there's some kissing and whatever, and then boom, but you know, except you know, he definitely has an emphasis on, um sexual tension which is super awkward in this movie yeah it really is necessary yeah Uh, which is certainly there in schrader's movie but it's done with class it's just totally different like (laughs) like, well and this feel it almost feels like this is a a movie that was is the pro it it, this is a film that shows that it's the product of studio meddling i think this is a classic and that's why i don't want to always point be pointing the finger at you know directly at rennie harlan because i know a lot of people made bad decisions that made this movie what it is also Uh he was stuck in a situation of remaking a movie with a bunch of you know he so he doesn't want to repeat the mistakes of his predecessor right i mean i'm sure there's people pressuring him to do that or to not repeat those mistakes he's also dealing with the fact that he's making a movie on a tiny budget now because they don't want to spend right all of this extra money now he ends up going over budget like four times and they give him all this money and the money and the money is never recouped that they never make no. money on this project and they got to release two films and still never make money on it yeah um, I, I don't think rennie harlan actually i think that's the big difference is paul schrader was was hired on to make an exorcist film make his film right mm-hmm. um rennie harlan was hired to make the studio's film right you know and and it shows it shows because like you said the the way that he's telling the story with like like a five-year-old i like that analogy is <laughs> right. is is akin to it it god i'm trying to think of the right word here it well, really it's totally does fine sh- in the right yeah kind of movie like i just don't think right. this is the right kind of movie for it you know no but it, it feels i was gonna say this this film feels like it it went through like a focus group like a, a, a yeah. like a test group first and be like okay no this is how we want it feels very formulaic it feels very planned it feels it does not feel like an organic story it really does feel boilerplate yeah and, and i feel and like it it, it's it's sold a bit short by the fact that they don't want to spend a lot of money on it the cgi in this movie is atrocious like everything yeah. looks terrible and i know that's a symptomatic thing of it being from 2004 because there's a lot of movies especially in the horror sci-fi genre where everything has just god awful cgi yeah but this seems to be even worse than some of the <laughs> its contemporary yeah movies. this is when it was getting cheap uh, to do and so because they were using cgi it. to do things that are so easy to do and practical um not only were they you know terrible cgi hyenas in the movie um that were used overused um I believe they used the CGI hyena a couple times in Schrader's movie, but it was used subtly and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the thing that always gets to me, in especially right around this time, is like they're using CGI to do fire. They're using CGI to do bugs. The bugs look terrible. They can't even get the flies to look natural or ugly, yeah. real flies. Well, so and I think it also stands out so much more because the rest of the production quality is clearly well-funded and well-supported by a big studio. Yeah, and and yeah, when we talk more about the other film, you'll see that that's maybe that gives makes it a little more forgiving. Is the film itself feels like 
this has been stitched together, so I'll I'll forgive some of these things. But here it really, I mean, it's it's like a smudge on a clean window, you know. Yeah. It's it really really stands out, and even the story here itself is it doesn't make a lot of sense if this is supposed to be a prequel to the exorcist it feels like the studio behind this had never even seen the exorcist yeah, before this movie does not feel connected in any way to the exorcist father Marin in this movie does not feel in any way like the same character or like he could ever become the same character it doesn't exactly even leave him in a place at the end where i feel like he becomes you know father Marin. exactly it, looks like it was going to do it looks like maybe their ambition was to do a totally own thing using the premise of the exorcist and the character of Marin to become like a big cgi man versus demons franchise a la van helsing and all that other crap that came out in early 2000s cgi horror <laughs> fest kind of movies that in general were all major flops and luckily so we yeah didn't have to watch a hundred sequels to those but um, right yeah, and I think that was what always turned me off from this. Isn't just that, you know, how bad this film was, and it really was bad. You know, for by the way, I just oh, wanted to awful. add this for has been by far my least favorite thing we've had. I've had to sit through for. I, I do think it's funny that podcast, you know, so. <laughs> for a for a dozen episodes on this podcast, we always picked mostly movies we liked, and the last couple have been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this one is painful to me, and it's yeah. still painful. I remember I saw it in theaters and hated it so much I never wanted to watch it again. Yeah. Until it was proposed. I mean, you proposed it to me as like, hey, let's watch both of these movies and do a kind of compare and contrast. Right. So the film nerd in me was like, ooh, yeah, it's a like really unique opportunity uh, yeah. because they're, as far as I know, there's not a ex- situation exactly like this for a Hollywood like a couple Hollywood movies. Um, I mean, you could always you know watch remakes of movies but i mean usually enough time has passed between original and remake that you're not really dealing with the same movie or the same story or the same script or the same group of production no yeah and i think you know there's so there there are plenty of examples of of films that you know change directors halfway through you know i mean think about justice league for example which we brought up before many times um you know, but that's still, for anybody who says, I guess this is one of the reasons I want people to do this, watch both of these films. So for anybody who watches Justice League, and this isn't to entirely defend yeah. that film, but anybody who says, oh, you could totally tell that this movie is, you know, mixed by two directors. Yes, but I've seen worse. <laughs> and that's these <laughs> yeah. two films. Well, okay, <laughs> Justice League, what, and I, I agree with the people that say you can totally tell that that yeah, was a you model can. of two directors making Justice League. It was my biggest problem with the movie. I would have rather seen a... Zack Snyder movie that I liked a little less than something patched together like that. But anyway, um, I think their initial request of Rennie Harlan was to do exactly that. And luck somehow yeah. he got lucky enough that he got to make his... Well, I mean, depends if you call it lucky or not. But he did get to make his own film. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not the vision is entirely his, I'm not sure. But we got to give blame him a little bit and here's why and that's because if you've seen other Rennie Harlan films you can definitely see his his fingerprints all over this thing yeah uh his style is there for sure um even the way he deals with some of the horror it's always a little more action oriented and that was one of the things that people hated about his Elm Street movie is I think I mean he had you know Freddy Freddy Krueger kung fu fighting with uh one of the teenagers at the point and um, yeah, it's, yeah. The thing, the the reason it worked in Elm Street, in 
it, it, it doesn't work in an exorcist film is because um, Elm Street, by the point, and it, really they crack this eggshell open in a Nightmare on Elm Street 3, but by the time 4 rolls around, they're able to use humor in it, and it doesn't feel out of it doesn't, place. No, right, right. It, it, at that point, it had already been established that this is the kind of zany horror franchise that you can be young and watch, because I think around that yeah. time is when they started marketing well, and it there, to kids. Well, there's not any limits to it. You know, Freddy Krueger kills kids in their dreams, so there's no limits yeah. to dreams. We can literally do anything with this. And they pushed... You know, they push that further and further as the sequels go on. But mm-hmm. it's always played, I mean, generally after after Nightmare on Elm Street 3, it's generally played for comedy. Uh, not that there aren't creepy moments or there aren't some horrific uh, things in those films, but... Um, yeah, and it, I would Kruger say... it becomes, you know, a wise, cracking, cackling... <laughs> and, and, it, and that shows in this, too, because the the possessed in this film at the end, during the climax, is coming off comical and i i can't yeah. tell if that's and he uses intentional or not original, but... some of the like things that shocked people about the original exorcist film and especially since reagan the character played by linda blair right. was a little girl at the time some of the bad language and stuff that she you know your mother sucks cocks in hell and and other things and which by the way that's the dirtiest thing i've ever said on this podcast you, <laughs> from the movie, so, um, but, you beat no, me to it insulting you. no i just <laughs> no um but those were the things you know shocking because they were coming out of a little girl's mouth when you okay so Rennie harlan's film let me back up one second before i make this criticism uh Rennie harlan's film starts not starts off it doesn't really even get to the possession angle until halfway through the movie and then it tries to red herring you because everyone's aware of from you know the original exorcist and also the uh the heretic which is the second exorcist movie that father Marin did an exorcism on a young man in africa like we know it's a little boy we know it's in africa so they he read herrings a little boy that they think is possessed um and the character's not developed at all they kind of like randomly pick him out of a group of characters and that it even if that was where we were going and that was going to be a traditional like exorcism movie the boy had the demon they were going to get the demon out of the boy um it doesn't work like it does in the original film because Reagan has a very well-developed character by the yeah. point when she's, you know, um, her and her mother and their relationship, you, you have a lot invested in them already by the point that, the, you know, this demon is taking over uh, her body. So um, it right off the bat, it doesn't really work. And then right. you find out as time goes on in the film that it's it, the boy's not actually possessed. It's a red herring. It's actually this... Um, very un- inappropriately cast doctor, female doctor character that is the awkward love interest yeah. for Father Marion yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it, and um, I would awkward's the best way to describe it because there's they have no chemistry together whatsoever. Yeah. And, so when the demon finally forced... you know shows his face and comes out of this this doctor this uh, character um, starts talking you know with all the cocksuckers and motherfuckers and all this stuff and it's like okay well now you're playing this for funny yeah because it, you're just going over the top for no reason well this there's the, the bizarre girl that would say yeah. would not say these things this is somebody um yeah who might get drunk one yeah. night and talk like that who knows right or maybe you know <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's a know, scene a, where she's grinding on doors him. maybe this is just her yeah exactly yeah it was just so weird and and the climbing and around it's, it's, on the walls is weird and it not weird yeah, it's like in they a took triffy the, the way famous deleted bad. scene from the exorcist when uh 
Reagan crab crab crawls down the stairs and her head's upside down, which is a really creepy image, right? Yeah. Um, it was cut from the film, I believe, not because it didn't work or they were unhappy with the effects, but because uh, censors found it too disturbing. But um, they take that, or Rennie Harlan takes that to like, it turns that one up to 11 and has this <laughs> this demon, or this woman possessed by a demon, literally crab crawling all over a cave, jumping huge amounts like superhero jumps and uh, crab crawling. It was just literally the worst decision I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, like yeah. It, <laughs> it was... Maybe that's not 100% true, but man, I was just thinking most of the way through this movie, I was just thinking I hate this movie so much. I can't even like put it into words like how how poor most of these decisions in this movie are. And it's not like it's incompetently made. It looks, well, okay, the CGI I already mentioned is just kind yeah. of awful. But and like you said, too, there's plenty of films that came out around this time that had the same problem that were from major studios. So, yeah. you know. But I would, you know, and and I guess it even just, this really goes with both films for me. But these, this is a story, whichever version you're watching, that really didn't need to be told. Because... Yeah. The, the if you if and I I just this past summer you know full confession I just read the book The Exorcist this past summer yeah for I the just first read it for time. the first time a couple years ago and and it's it I I had heard from a lot of people that had read it before you know the the book really isn't about a little girl being possessed the book is about a priest who has lost his faith and what would it take to bring that back. And for you to regain, oh, how about something as horrific as a young girl being possessed? So when I when I read that, I tried to like, okay, is this really or is you know, and and it really is. I do see that point, and I think the movie does that too. The movie does a good job of describing Father Karras, the younger priest, um, and, and it really does work quite well. The whole thing about Marin having done this before was simply that he's almost a mystical kind of priest who has gone through some hard shit and he's he's he has the battle scars to show it and that's why he comes in in that original story so to do a backstory about him it it kind of removes some mystery it removes the power i think of his character in the first film which is well, and about it also i mean just rehashes the whole the whole thing is about um father what's his name in the original exorcist film um Karis? yeah father Karis finding his faith right i mean that, right. that's a huge part of it um why are we seeing the same narrative done with father Mar- i mean it's just exactly like, exactly like that's just my trying point. to tell the same uh, well kind of the same story over again they're just the problem is it's the problem that happens with a lot of remakes that aren't good of movies and that's that they've just taken the greatest hits of what what they think was great about like what their interpretation what's great about the exorcist well this this and this and they've taken each one of those little things out yep and they've tried to write a movie around those things so yeah so they're trying to make a rhyme plot about a priest losing his faith and finding it again you get well, okay. In Harlan's film, you don't even get like the innocence lost of a child being possessed by a demon. You get some—I don't know. Rennie Harlan's film, like I said again, five-year-old telling a story. It doesn't have any mythos to it. It mm-hmm. it takes for granted you already know what a demon is and just runs with that. Like it doesn't actually tell you anything about what it. I mean, I don't know. You would think a prequel to The Exorcist would spend a little bit of time exploring 
the origins of the demon itself because it's very much put forth in both of these films that this is going to be the same demon that he's going to square off with against um later on it's not as explicit in harlan's film as it is in in schrader's but you get the sense that this is this is the same demon that eventually is going to find him his way into you know little reagan and the exorcist and father Marin. they're gonna go at it again uh eventually destroying one another if anyone if anyone yells spoilers at me for the exorcist then you know shame on you not me so yeah, um right <laughs> so, but, uh, but uh, yeah I, so. I agree i think this is you know it, it's just they they if they were going to make a story they had opportunities there's plenty of things you could have gone into the history of pazuzu um which schrader does a little bit more um kind of uh, yeah, kind you know, of. There, there's some some dialogue there, but you know, in what made at least the... you would have had something that was a little different, right? Yeah, I'm not saying it would have been great to have a big backstory about like, you know, the life of the life of the demon Pazuzu, but um, well, at you least know, it would have been a little different from the the. Uh, it, it would, and and what I, in the original book and even in the original film, you know, there's some really good scenes with with uh, Max von Sydow. And he's talking to, and I feel bad that I'm forgetting his name, but the the younger priest, Father Karras. And they have a discussion when they're taking a break from the exorcism, right? Um, and they have a conversation about what faith really is. And it was it's a really powerful scene in both the movie and the book with, with uh, Max von Sydow, where, you know, he's kind of explaining what faith is to him and really what, what kind of power it, it has. And then... In this movie, it's it's there's nothing like that. I mean, they're forgetting too that what made the original story of the Exorcist so good was the the constant doubt and questioning. In fact, one of the things I loved the most about the the book, The Exorcist, was Father Karras doing this detective work, this differential diagnosis, this psychological diagnosis of this young girl trying to disprove the idea of this supernatural thing. And when when in his case, he can rule nothing. He's ruled everything out, but that um right. that's what he's, he's left well, with we this is moment... just an action horror film that doesn't even yeah. work well and it doesn't even there is not even a definitive moment in rennie harlan's film where you find it believable that father Marin finds god again or finds his faith no. again no it's just all of a sudden he's like oh shit there's demons his... well that must mean that there's god too oh great now it, we're it's, back so it actually it to <laughs> so... me it felt more like oh there's demons well then i better strap on my god powers you know it's it had yeah. it was it was chase used the, as a weapon demon all over the walls like you know, it was shoot, shoot yeah. god juice at him it was anyway. used at, it was <laughs> used as a weapon rather than this this you know development of a character there's so much uh, who's this story about i guess that's what it comes down yeah. to well i, don't I mean even it's, know. it's supposed to be about Marin. i mean i think that's their intention but they don't develop a single character here no including all, him so including him yeah he doesn't even develop so i mean i think there's some good examples and i don't want to we're, we're out of time on this pretty much but uh got to start winding up but there's a whole supporting cast of soldiers and stuff too in this movie uh, led by a um, general named Granville or Colonel or yeah, Admiral or Major, whatever yeah, Major yeah, Granville. Major. Yeah, the one I didn't get. But um, <laughs> and his character is so different in the two films, and it's just oh, dealt yeah. with so differently. Rennie Harlan again makes him a caricature. Um, doesn't give him much to do except blow his head off at some point, and it's uh, anyway. Not gonna get. Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit more and compare in in next week's episode the kind of sub subplot of the um, natives and the the British army 
which I think was actually yeah. some of the better stuff done in 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 Schrader's film. Rennie Harlan doesn't treat it well at all. Um, so we'll compare and contrast those maybe when we have a little more time next week. <laughs> yeah, that um, sounds like a plan. But so, what are your final impressions on Exorcist it, the Beginning? I would say that this I'm giving this a solid F. I mean this <laughs> this film if I can it, and that's being generous. I mean this is a film that didn't need to be made. Um, it's a story that doesn't it can't make up its mind what it really wants to to tell or it's just so muddled. I, I'm gonna blame Rennie Harlan a little bit because you know it's his project, but I I recognize also that this is considerable studio meddling, um, and. I know studios, they're trying to make movies to make money. Of course, they're not all trying to make big statements. That's why they got rid of Paul Schrader. But in this case, it's just, it's a train wreck. I mean, this is, it's an insult to its inspiration. Um, and, and that's not for me to put The Exorcist so high on a pedestal, but it really is. That original film and that original book are very compelling stories um there's there's a reason why we're people are still talking about those and talk about them today you know uh in in us as a way of it's not just classic filmmaking it's great storytelling it's it's a complex story that even somebody who's not religious can really get something out of it's a it's a fantastic story this is a cash grab and they're blatant with it and it's insulting to its source material and it's insulting to its audience that might yeah. be the meanest thing I've ever said about a film on this podcast, but I have absolutely <laughs> I, no regrets. But I have to agree with you 100%. This is like one of... I, we're talking... I've, I've seen a lot of really bad movies. I love really bad movies in general, like sitting down and watching something and just getting a kick out of it. This is not that type of bad movie. This is a movie that I just can't stand. Not only is it boring and the CGI is bad and the characters don't work and the story itself is just a muddled mess with no um, real mythology or anything to present that makes yeah. any of the narrative make sense at all. It's just not pleasant to watch in any way. No. Like, this is probably one of my least favorite films I've ever paid money and walked into a movie theater and saw. Yeah. And I, I remember I, walking I out of the theaters pissed. And just like, blah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is well, and, and one thing I wanted to mention too that I forgot to mention before when we were talking about his action scenes and they wanted gore so that he, he put in gore. It's the way that's even handled. Everything's got to be a in-your-face close-up on the gore every time. And it's yeah. like, you know, that's okay in some films where it's tongue-in-cheek. This isn't. You're trying to be serious, but you're you're just sloppy with it, and you're just shoving it in front of the camera, and you're, you're not... Well, I mean, he's got a scene where a child is ripped apart by hyenas. <laughs> really bad-looking CGI hyenas yeah. to add insult to injury. Um, but... Yeah, and it kind of dwells on it. It's not the gore that bothers me. It's the it's the why is it? It's the way it's handled. It's it's like why is that scene even done the way it's done? It's purposely to be vicious and to be and that's what I was gonna say. And we'll get into that next week because we're I don't want to mm-hmm. say I don't want to get into it now. But the way that Rennie Harlan handles the the natives and the British army oh, is all God. just vicious and dark too, and it it doesn't hold any of the like. It's, it, it's not a good part of the story like it is in the other movie but anyway yeah, yeah. f minus can i do an f minus is that <laughs> yeah if we're doing minuses on f's that's what i'm putting mine at <laughs> jesus like this, this this movie sucks i hate it yeah this was and bad. i never I... say that about stuff because i don't like to insult because i've made movies and i know how you know how hard <laughs> it is and, and how much like so 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get personal and say anybody anybody's name involved in why it sucks because there's a lot of people that probably yeah. take the blame on that one, but it's a turd. And I would recommend even if you buy the excellent box set, which I did with all the Exorcist films. Even if you buy those, the only reason you should ever watch Exorcist the beginning is to have this cool experience of comparing and contrasting it with the far better Dominion by Paul Schrader. So. Yeah, which we will cover next week. Yeah. And uh, beyond that, um, what do we have coming up on the schedule? Do you have that? Oh, gosh. We've got a couple of things coming up. We've got our Halloween specials coming up. Uh, happy October, everybody. Um, I probably should have said that at the beginning of the show, but I was so excited to get into this discussion. I figured we'll do it at the end. <laughs> um, and uh, we also have a couple of things that we're planning on doing uh, somewhere down the line here. We're going to be looking at... Uh, we're we're going to keep doing these kind of movie reviews, but you and I have also been talking about possibly actually planning on uh, doing some different kinds of discussions. So one of the things that you and I have talked about before, just in conversations you know, about what we want to do on the show is looking at things like werewolf and vampire films specifically werewolf versus vampire or vampire versus werewolf whatever and and look at where did that start where where did that that's a thing in in horror films where did that come from uh and we also are going to be doing some more of our uh listener suggestions uh yes can't wait to do that more of those so yeah, a couple of those and uh, a few other ideas that we've been kicking around. But yeah, we got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming uh, here as we go through October, November, closing out the year through December, and then decide what we're going to do for the first of the year, which we haven't yeah, really talked about yet. As but, always, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, please shoot us an email at uh, videojunkyardpodcast at gmail or shoot us a line on Facebook or Twitter. We also have a Facebook group, which we use to discuss movies, share things, have discussions, um, just generally kind of shoot the shit with everybody. So if you are interested in joining that, we'd love to have you. Just shoot absolutely. us a request. You don't have to answer like 10 questions like some Facebook groups. I'll just let you write in. So Yeah. We, we, we're we totally laid back like that. and <laughs> That's how we're going to get mugged. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so all right well next week tune back in we are going to be talking about the second exorcist prequel paul schrader's dominion prequel to the exorcist so uh thanks again for listening this is joe peterson and this is eric O'Branson, the video junkyard podcast everybody have a good evening you have been listening to the video junkyard podcast i do wish we could chat longer but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>